This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. I want to begin our time this morning um, with a brief little <sighs> math lesson. Now, now, here's my hope, that while by the end of this short time together, um, you might be very clear as to why Pastor Angelo is not Professor Angelo, um, Professor of Math, um, my hope is that as we engage this framework for our conversation today, um, you might see how this concept can help us, can help us as a people um, engage the big question that we're engaging this morning, which is, is Christianity too narrow? Is Christianity too narrow? So I give a quick math lesson that I will most certainly butcher. Um, it takes bravery to give a math lesson here in the triangle, um, where most of you probably, most certainly, definitely know math a lot better than me. Um, but, but here we go. Um, and, and specifically, this is a lesson on set theory. Um, centered set theory versus bounded set theory. So I'm, I'm going to give you a basic gist really quick with some pretty cool images courtesy of Marcus McClellan. Here we go, ready? Um, I want you to imagine a fixed point surrounded by other points. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now, in centered set theory, the set is defined by its central point. All right? The set is defined by its central point. Now, objects are considered to be in the set or out of the set, um, as long as uh, they are moving either towards or away from the central point. So its proximity to the central point doesn't necessarily, isn't like the defining quality of the set. It's, is, are you moving towards the fixed point or away from it? That's what, that's what establishes whether something is in or out of the set. That's centered set theory. Now, bounded set theory, um, a set is defined by its boundary. Boom. Cool. Um, points are labeled in or out ba based on whether or not they exist within the bounds of the set. So the boundary can be like this one. It can be really tight, um, like this one, or it could be really broad. Praise the Lord. Like that one. Now, um, within the context of this theory, the points are defined as in or out based on whether or not they are in the bounds of that set. Now, Really quick, really quick. I wonder if there might be a little bit of truth we can glean about the church um, with this theory in mind. I hope so. Uh, today, we are going to join um, over 50 other churches across the triangle as we seek to engage um, this big question of faith, is Christianity too narrow? And if I can offer you my answer right out the gate, I think I would say, no, um, but sometimes Christians can be. No, but sometimes Christians can be. Now, here's what I mean by that. I think the church has gotten really good at um, establishing and, and defining boundaries within Christianity. So chances are that throughout your life, you have experienced many different churches and, and perhaps as you have experienced them, um, you've experienced their boundaries um, differently. Maybe you've been in a church that had very clearly defined, very tight boundaries. If, if, you, if you do not believe like this, then this church is probably not the church that you should be a part of. 
Uh, maybe you've experienced churches like that. Maybe you've experienced churches with incredibly broad boundaries where, you know, everybody's, well, everybody, all that, good, great. Um, chances are you have engaged with churches that have set boundaries. And boundaries can be really helpful. Don't hear me. I'm not about to preach a sermon where I say boundaries are unhelpful in the church. We just got done with a whole sermon series where we laid out one of the most fundamental boundaries um, within the church, which was the Apostles' Creed. We just said a statement of boundary faith, right? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, blah, 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 right? We just, we just did a whole series saying it's important that we know what we believe. It's important what we know what we believe. So I'm not saying that um, establishing a boundary isn't important, uh, but what I do want to question this morning is the purpose that God gave to us when God empowered the church to go and do the work of being the church. Did God call us to be a community that was so incredibly defined by its boundary or that was more focused on its center? Or that was more focused on its center? That's the question I want to ask this morning. Now, to that end, I want to read us some scripture. This is from John chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn into that. John chapter 14, we're going to be starting right at verse 1. Um, if you have a Bible app, you can open up, click, swipe over to John 14, starting at verse 1. We'll also have it projected on the screens. And here is what Jesus says. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So our scripture this morning from John's gospel, again, a gospel where I have said before, um, contains um, some of Jesus's most clearly defined statements where Jesus is talking about exactly who he is. It has all the I am statements. And here we see one of the most famous ones. This is a scripture that many people who have engaged faith throughout their life could probably say by heart. Um, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I believe that if we want to use this language of, of sets, um, bounded sets and centered sets, uh, I think that one of the things that Jesus does in this passage is kind of establishes um, himself <laughs> as like the most fundamental boundary um, within, within the Christian faith. And that is, that is Jesus, the person of Jesus. Um, and so if, if that's if that's one way that we can read that the Jesus is establishing this clear boundary, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father uh, but through me. Then I think it's important 
to read and note how scripture talks about the person of Jesus. The scripture talks about the person of Jesus as this great, big, cosmic God who is capable of holding all things. Colossians says that Jesus, um, that the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. John chapter one says all things were created through him and for him. So if Jesus is establishing himself as a boundary, Scripture would narrate Jesus as a pretty large box. Scripture would narrate Jesus as a box capable of holding all things. Now, I think that this passage is incredibly freeing for us as Christians. And here's why. Um, Because essentially what Jesus is saying is, I am the point. And praise God that Jesus would say that, that he is the point. Because when Jesus establishes himself as Savior, as Redeemer, it means that we as the church don't have to be. We as the church don't have to exist into roles that that God did not set us up for. Um, When Jesus says he is the Savior, he is the Redeemer, when Jesus is the center, it means the church doesn't have to be. So, That helps us ask another question. Well, then what on earth is the purpose of the church? What on earth is the purpose of the church? And I think that one very clear answer that Scripture gives us comes from the Gospel of Matthew. In the Great Commission, the last thing that Jesus tells his disciples that they're going to need to do um, before he leaves them, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So I believe that Jesus' desire for us as a church was to be people who would be focused on pointing ourselves and others in a direction that leads to Jesus. Now, at times, the church has spent a lot of time focusing on boundary setting, on boundary setting. But I think when you see the church at its most vibrant and most healthy is when the church is focused on placing people on paths towards Jesus, on this trajectory to Jesus. And so the question of faith for us would not be a question of are we in or are we out, but what kind of path are we on? If we think back to our scripture that we just read in John, John chapter 14, it's important to know the type of question that Jesus gets that he's responding to. Thomas asks Jesus a directional question. He says, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? And that's the question that Jesus responds to. He says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Now, when the church seeks to define itself so stringently with boundaries, that's where you get the outside narrative 
that the church is incredibly narrow and incredibly exclusive. That's where that outside narrative comes in, when people look at the church and they see the bounds without seeing the center, without seeing Jesus. Now, the good news for us is that, and specifically I'm going to talk about us here in this room, United Methodists, the way that Methodism talks about our journey to Jesus is very much with this pathway type of language. We talk about grace, we talk about salvation, um, not, not as a moment, but as a journey. We talk about it as a journey. And one of the ways we do this is through how we talk about grace. John Wesley um, had what he called, ready for a little Latin? Here we go, the Ordo Salutis. The Ordo Salutis, which just means the order of salvation or the way of salvation. Order of salvation or the way of salvation. And for Wesley, um, it was important to define the nuance of grace and how we experience that grace throughout our life. So our, our confirmands, they learned all about this. They learned all about this. Maybe you've heard th- these sermons before that talked about how Methodists view grace. We, we believe in, in grace really in, in three distinct ways. First, as prevenient grace. This is grace that goes before. This is grace that God has, has given to all of us. It is the grace that allows us to know God, to love God, and to know that we ourselves are loved by God. And if you're talking about Um, being on a trajectory pointing away from Jesus or pointing towards Jesus, this kind of grace says we would all be going away from Jesus if it were not for some influence of God's grace. So so this prevenient grace is is kind of what triggers in our mind that there might be something more, that there might be something more. Wesley doesn't stop there. He talks about justification talks about justifying grace. And this is really how Wesley defines conversion. Conversion, it's the turn of the arrow, the turn of the arrow back towards Jesus, that um, justification would be the moment of our acknowledgement of our need for God, that we need God's grace, that we are sinners, that we must repent, repent to turn. We must repent of our sin. But the conversation doesn't stop there. Wesley believes that it's not enough just to turn the arrow. You must then begin a journey towards Jesus, a journey towards Christ. And Wesley would say this is called sanctification. Sanctification, being sanctified, being made holy as Christ is holy. So we must engage in this work. Now, when you ask the question, is Christianity too narrow, I think it's also important to ask the opposite question. Is Christianity too broad? Is Christianity too broad? And I think I might offer the same answer I offered earlier. No, but sometimes Christians can be. No, but sometimes Christians can be. And here's what's important. Um, Because when we preach, you know, we want to be rooted in, in scripture. That, that's our foundation for us here. And it's important that, you know, the word narrow comes up in scripture, and it comes up from Jesus. Jesus actually talks about this. He talks about this. One of the places he talks about it is in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, 
entered through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. So Jesus himself acknowledges um, how rare it is for people to actually choose to engage in a lifelong journey that is discipleship. And again, I want to ask us to notice the language here. Just like in John, Thomas asks a directional question and Jesus talks about a way. Here in Matthew, Jesus is talking about the narrow gate, which I think we could define as repentance, Repentance, that moment of turning around, turning away from. But then the road is discipleship. The road is discipleship. And it's what Eugene Peterson, who is a pastor, theologian, author, uh, many of you have probably engaged with his work. He's the one, he's the author of the message, the message um, Bible. He wrote a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And it's how Eugene Peterson talks about discipleship. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a great book. I'd, I'd highly recommend it to you. Um, but see, it's, it's not enough to, to know God or even claim our need for God's grace. We have to be on some sort of trajectory towards Jesus. We have to desire to be in that relationship, to be in that movement. And so if, if we want to use that language, that centered set, bounded set um, theology, I think discipleship and a church defined as a centered set church is actually a lot harder and more difficult than the other way, um, which is that bounded set thinking. Because in, in bounded set theology, you're only defined by in or out. So your faith could essentially end at justification. It could just end at conversion. Well, you're either in or you're out. So if you've done the thing that you believe you need to do to be in, then you're in. Why pursue any more? But this centered set faith and centered set church and centered set thinking Ask the question, are you consistently on a path leading you towards Jesus? Have you turned and gone a different direction? It requires, it requires of us consistent, constant repentance and honesty with ourselves. It requires pruning and stretching and refining. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce. The Great Divorce. And, and it's an excellent book. Um, and it's actually some of the best writing um, I've experienced on the concepts of heaven and, and hell. And, and one of the things that C.S. Lewis talks about is how the journey to and away um, from Jesus is actually not that, it's not like here. It's not like complete, it's like actually really close together. And, and as he was talking about, you know, what it is to build the church, um, he had this great quote that talked about how we might end up building the church, but building the church in a way that doesn't necessarily reflect Christ. And this is what he said. He said, there have been some who were so occupied in spreading Christianity, they never gave a thought to Christ. They never gave a thought to Christ. It actually reminds me of a famous quote from, from Gandhi that maybe you've heard before, where he said, I like your Christ, I do not like your Christians. 
Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus establishes himself, I believe, as this central um, fixed point for the church, for the kingdom of God. And then he empowers us, the church, to go and do the work of pointing people towards him. So I believe that journey is available to everyone. But, but do, not, um, do not confuse openness with ease. Do not confuse openness with ease. I believe that the love of Jesus was radically inclusive. Jesus, in Scripture, draws a line in the sand. And it's important to note what side of that line he's on. Jesus draws a line in the sand, and there are religious leaders who are telling this woman who is a sinner that she deserves to be stoned to death for her sin. Jesus draws a line in the sand, but he's not on the side of the religious leaders. He's on the side of the sinner. And he says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That's great. But don't miss what he tells the woman. He says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. The journey of discipleship requires faithfulness and it requires discipline. And it's not always easy. It's that long obedience in the same direction. So here is not... um, what I'm saying. I am not saying that boundaries in the church are entirely unhelpful. What I am saying is that God has given the work of boundary setting to Jesus. God has given the work of boundary setting to Jesus. I think we have a little image that I'd like to show you. Jesus is the central point. Jesus establishes the boundary. In Romans 8, It says, it is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. So Jesus becomes the boundary setter in the church, but our role, um, I don't think, is is not to concern ourselves so much with the boundaries, um, but to put ourselves and others on the right trajectory. To put ourselves and others on the right trajectory. having this centered set faith in a centered set church, in a centered set church. Um, Because the reality is that that scripture narrates that there is no amount of distance. Can we put that up one more time, please? That last image. There's no amount of distance that can separate us from the love of God. So wherever you are on the spectrum, grace can find you there. Repentance can find you there and can call you home. That's what we believe about God. And so is Christianity too narrow? I, I really don't think so. I think Christianity in the way that Jesus intended it is not too narrow. I believe it's radically inclusive, open to all with loving arms, but requires faithfulness, discipline, dedicate, requires a life. It requires your life, not just a moment, but it really requires 
your life. And it's my desire that as a church, um, that we would be a church that seeks to get on that path, to get on that path of long obedience in the same direction, journeying towards Jesus, who is our center. Amen?